Greetings to all Earthlings and all interplanetary beings within earshot of my voice. This is your old pal, Rachel Can. Welcome to Out with Rachel. I am coming to you live and direct from the beautiful sandy shores of the Mediterranean Sea, which you can probably hear crashing in the background. Just kidding, that's just the sound of traffic outside my window in Los Angeles, but um, why not dream big, right? With your eyes closed, you can always be in paradise. That's one of my mottos, so uh, well, I guess that motorcycle doesn't really sound like um, the pure ocean crashing waves I was hoping for, but anyway, listen... That's not the point. The point is we are here to talk about and enjoy this interview with the amazing Patty Del Valle. And who better to ring in this brand new year of Out With Rachel than Patty Del Valle? Because friends, I truly believe we are in the midst of a sea change and a consciousness shift here on planet Earth. I do believe that uh, the old model, the patriarchal model, is not working so well anymore, and we are seeing a new way of being unfolding before our very eyes as the sacred feminine rises, and when I say new way of being, I mean ancient and new all at the same time, if you catch my drift. But there's really no one better than Patty Del Valle to uh, be our first guest for the first episode of 2018's Out With Rachel. She embodies what it means to be a woman in this world. And I am so proud to know her at all. In fact, you know, one of my personal goals for 2017 was that I wanted to live a more integrated life, a less compartmentalized life where I had all the different parts of myself kind of shuddered away from each other because I was concerned about other people's judgments and if other people would be able to handle all the different parts of me. And so I really wanted to heal some of that in myself. And Patty represents some of the best reasons for doing that because we met in my Zumba class. I teach Zumba, if you didn't know that. That's one of the funny parts of my life that I would like to be more integrated about. And um, she is just one of those women that when I dance with her, I know she's there to do the work of setting her soul free. And so those are my soul sisters. And that's how we first connected and met. And if you enjoy listening to Patty speak, which I'm sure you will, you can watch the Wisdom Daily Out With Rachel video version of this interview. It's really easy to get to the link right through my website, rachelcan.com, and you just click on Out With Rachel and you'll see it right there. But also, if you check out my video for my poem, Dancing Lessons, you can see Patty dancing in all her glory and just kind of experience how um, she moves through the world in that gloriousness as well. It's pretty awesome if you ask me. And so the easiest way to get to that is also just right through my website or you could always just go to YouTube and search Rachel Can Dancing Lesson. It should pop right up. 
And, you know, I'm trying to, I think about like how other people do intros to their podcasts and they're really personal, like someone like Mark Marin sharing the minutiae of his life. And sometimes I feel like I want to do that. And then sometimes I feel like it's really weird and self-indulgent, but I also like really want to be myself and present with you all. So I want to tell you something that's been going on, but also not waste time when you could be listening to Patty. So I want to tell you about something that's been really turning me on and interesting me, interesting to interest, interesting me lately, interesting me lately, holding my interest lately, capturing my interest lately. Anyway, hmm. well, ooh, I know what I want to talk about. Have you heard about murmuration? Murmuration is this phenomenon about, well, not about, it's when starlings, the birds, they fly in these incredible synchronized patterns. It's unreal if you see it. You can watch videos of it and it's like shockingly beautiful. And for me, it really, it feels like... um emergence theory in action it feels like emergence theory is undeniable and survival of the fittest is you know one way of looking at the world that represents maybe that old masculine model and the sacred feminine rising up maybe is more of the emergence theory so I'm my most thrilling thing du jour is murmuration. I'm going to write a poem about it. Murmuration and the starlings. I mean, how much more lusciously poetic could you get? I'm really excited. If you want to see something beautiful, look up murmuration and watch some videos of starlings flying in their murmuration. And now, without any further ado, please, that was more than enough ado, don't you think? Let's spend some time with the amazing, powerful, wise, sweet Patty Del Valle. Hi, hola, buenas tardes. I'm Patty Del Valle and I'm out with Rachel. Hi everybody, welcome to Out With Rachel. I'm Rachel Can, and I am here with Patty Del Valle. She is a counselor and she has been working as a counselor for the last 24 years at Santa Monica College. Mm-hmm. And loving every minute of Yay. it. <laughs> We're here at her beautiful home in Culver City, California. Thank you for having me over. My pleasure, Miss Rachel. So tell me, you're not just a counselor at Santa Monica College. You work in a specific department. Tell me about that. Yes, I've been 24 years in the Latino Center. So I work with immigrant students, uh, first generation, meaning that their parents didn't have the opportunity to go to college. So they're the first in their families to do that. And they have all kinds of issues and problems and challenges. And they're inspiring to me. And it never gets old. And I just love it. It's amazing. Did you always really? know you wanted to be a counselor? Oh, no. No, no, no. I didn't know what the hell I wanted to be for most of my adult life. So, oh, really? Yeah. I went back to college when I was 30. And really? I went to Santa Monica College. Amazing. And so you'd already gone to college before? Uh, well, like a little bit. West L.A., El Camino, I dabbled. Like, dabbled like, in college. Like a okay. lot of my students. Yeah, but, I understand. But, you know, long story short, I, at, at age 30, I had a, a direction 
and that's when I decided I wanted to. I think I want the long students. story long. So what were you oh. doing? <laughs> what were you doing? And then you ha you decided well, I want to go back to school. Well, I was working at different jobs, mostly office, um, mm -hmm. you know, clerical. And actually, I was what they call classified employee at Santa Monica College oh, for so you're already at Santa eight Monica or nine College. years. Yeah, okay. so I worked in different departments, and I did clerical support. I worked in the Disabled Student Center for mm. four years. I worked in financial aid. I worked in emeritus, which is with the seniors. So I had a lot of wonderful experiences. But I was, based, I was a secretary, which is nothing wrong with that, but it wasn't fulfilling to me. So then, you know, I got married. I lived in Italy for a while. That didn't work out. So then I came back after that didn't work out and said, now it's time to figure out what I want to do. What, what's searching. my purpose? Yeah. All right. And so I went to SMC, and then I transferred to UCLA as a psychology wow. major, and then I got a master's at in... UCLA also? No, at Cal State Dominguez Hills okay. in educational counseling. And then I was fortunate to get hired at SMC, and I was seven months pregnant when they hired me. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's quite amazing. Yeah. Were you pregnant for the first time at this point? Yes, okay. I was pregnant for the first time. And, um, yeah, and they, they really... So I always attribute my getting hired to student activism because mm. in the early 90s, some Latino, Chicano students stormed into the president's office, then president of Santa Monica College, and said, we need more Latino counselors, we need more bilingual, bicultural staff, and, and he was open and supportive and so the very next hiring phase he hired two more uh, Latino wow. you know bilingual counselors and so I was one you of them. You were one of the two. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And so did they already know you like from they your knew work? Me. They knew me. Yes. Of you but yes. it wasn't like the direct department you'd worked in. So. Oh that they, they knew me I knew them and they were all so supportive That's of me amazing. I was really fortunate. Yeah it's a family. So you were hired specifically for this new counseling for department the Latino. for the Latino which was created then? Well no the Latino Center has taken many forms over the last 30 years and been, head, been headed by different people, but um, they were trying to increase the, the services to students, so that's why they hired us. Yeah, yeah. So It's a great program now. It's it serves amazing. I'm so glad it exists. Hundreds and hundreds of students and, yeah. All first generation. Well, no, not all, because, I mean, theoretically, the program is open to all students, but Good. our target population is the first all generation. All students? All students. You could join like, if you wanted, okay, Rachel. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. That's so right. anyone, someone could come in just wipe oh, yeah. the day as long and be like, I yeah. want to come to this we center. We have Asian, Middle Eastern, African American. But we it's have, called the Latino Counseling the, Center. Well, it's called the Latino Center, and the program I work for is called Adelante, which means moving forward. Ah. Yeah. So we have a lot of different services that we So what offer. do you think draws the people? How do they find out about it if they're not Latino and like they're like, I want to come Well, here. that's a good question. Yeah, well, kind of word of mouth or they're looking for a program to be a part of. Uh -huh. um, and they hear that, that there are good supportive services and extra tutoring and, you know, different classes for them. And so they find us. You know, we have orientations and it's all on the website. So... When you were going to school mm -hmm. and you were thinking, I want to be a counselor, did you already have in your mind, like, I want to go to Santa Monica College and work? That would be my dream? Or that, that was my was dream. part of it all. Yeah, yeah, that was my dream. That's because I had cool. been a student there and yeah. I had worked there and I, I, I have a lot of respect for the, 
whole philosophy that yeah. they have there. And yeah, what, tell us and about it in case people don't know. What, what well, it's basically that? to to serve all students and do whatever it takes to help students succeed. And you know, and they're very um, uh, committed to student equity and. It's there's just a lot of really good people there, yeah. And tell me about your background. Did your parents go to college? Where did you grow up? Tell us about Ooh, you. My father went to college. He went to Cal Berkeley. Mm -hmm. He had a basketball scholarship, and um, then after then he he was in World War II, and after World War II he was going to move to South America to Chile. And where was he from originally? L.A. Okay. L.A. And he he's was like, I want to go to Chile. Yeah, he okay. wanted to go to South America. But anyway, so he was in Mexico City, and that's where he met my mother. Mm. And he, they got married there, and he was going to live there. And I could have been a Mexicana, Chilanga. That's someone who's born in Mexico City. But um, he couldn't really get work, you know, and mm -hmm. that was satisfying and financially satisfying. So moved up back up here mm -hmm. and got a job as a teacher and a uh, basketball coach with LA Unified and he worked for 25 30 years before he retired and at a high uh, school? Yeah, yeah, what he, high school. Jordan High in in Watts and then he was at Westchester. Yeah. And uh yeah, he loved students. He was in my blood. So, okay, yeah. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. So he had a good role model for yeah, it. Yeah, and he didn't live long enough to see me do what I'm uh -huh. doing, but he knows. <laughs> yeah, he's probably really, really proud mm -hmm. watching. Yeah. What a cool thing to carry on his legacy in that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. It's really beautiful. And my mother has d did a lot of community service as well. Yeah. And actually, she worked for the American Cancer Society yeah. for 15 years as a health educator. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, it's weird. Somehow I didn't make this connection before. This is, but yeah, this is why we talk. <laughs> right. Welcome to Out with yeah. Rachel. Right. Yeah. So Ma tell me about that. Was she, do you know what drew her to that work when she first started doing that? She always did community service. I mean, she stayed at home until we were like in junior high, high mm -hmm. school, right? And then she actually went back to school and got an AA degree from El Camino College in gerontology, I think. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah, yeah. So then, um, so then she started looking for work, and she, I think her first job was with the Catholic Charities, and then she worked for the Girl Scouts and went into the Latino community and organized, you know, troops, Girl Scout troops. Mm -hmm. and, and then she got connected to American Cancer Society, and I really don't remember how. But she worked there for probably 15 years and then retired from there. And, um, yeah, I mean, she would work with women who had gone through radiation and chemo. And, um, you know, I'm just remembering she did things like showed them how to use scarves on their on their, wow. you know, when they had lost their hair, yeah, and so her that job kind of was thing. really like helping them. Yeah, it was very hands-on and like mm -hmm. live life and feel okay. And yeah, yeah. Wow, uh -huh. amazing. Yeah, yeah. She loved it, and she was very good at it. What was her? What was the actual title? Like, what is that? Well, you know, I, it was either like health educator or community, um, mm. you know, outreach person. I don't remember. Mm. That was a long time ago. It's okay. Yeah. So yeah. cool. What an she retired when I uh, was pregnant with my daughter, who's oh. 23. So then her job after that was to be a abuelita. Nice. Yeah. Lucky yeah. you. Yeah. And lucky no her. No kidding.
No kidding. Unlucky but, daughter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I never. So you really mentioned that you worked for some Catholic organizations before that. It makes me want to ask about your background growing up. When you were growing up, was was that was religion or spirituality a part of your growing up experience with your parents? Well, unfortunately, I think religion and spirituality were two very different things back then. But I, I was think, raised Catholic. I, mean, I think they can be now as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't absolutely. know that it's changed, but mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just so you were raised Catholic. Yes, they and, did it up, and they and back then, you know, in Catholic school. I mean, they thought that that was the best education they could give us mm -hmm. at the time, right? And uh, but the the nuns and all were very oppressive, and mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't happy. Yeah. But yeah, Did so you have siblings. I'm a recovering Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have an older sister; she's three years older than I am. Yeah, that's also it. went to the school with you. Yes, yeah, right, but she was older, and um, yeah, and she later in her, she became a union organizer. She's, oh, wow, so you're like yeah, a whole a big family tradition of activists. Of kind of social justice issues, really yeah. Really cool. Uh-huh. So, okay, yeah. so do you think, like, when you were growing yeah. up, being raised, going to Catholic school, and your parents were like, we're going to raise you Catholic, I'm so curious about these things. Like, uh -huh. do you feel like they really believed in, like, pure Catholicism? Like, is that the impression you got from My mother did. My father was, like... Whatever, yeah. you know, he did what my mother wanted. Got it. But he was, um, I think his mother was like Seventh Day Adventist or something. Oh, okay. Right, back in the day, and uh -huh. and he he had his own personal relationship with God, mm -hmm. you know. So he did believe in God. Yes. Yes. But just yeah, that's interesting that you even know that. You know, I talk to a lot of people, and even when I think about my own parents, I don't really know how to answer that. Mm -hmm. It's like such a personal sensitive question like yeah sometimes they say they don't believe in god and then they say something and i'm like i think you do based uh -huh. on, you know what i mean based on what you just said but it's cool yeah. you know that he definitely yeah he, he was more open about things like that than he i think your average god. your average male born in 1919 <laughs> you know that's when he was born that's yeah, cool. yeah. So mm -hmm. it sounds like Catholic school with the nuns was like not the best experience in terms no. of fostering your love of organized religion. No, I mean even in, in recently, I think I just really acknowledged that what they did was like a psychological mm. abuse. You know, it wasn't physical. I didn't get hit Thank and God, all of that. Yeah. yeah, but it definitely was like a psychological yeah. abuse thing. So you know, but we work on getting over these things. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes they surprise us and come back up for us to oh, yeah. have inquiry around and look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Go, oh, that thing? Mm -hmm. I thought I was done with that. Yeah. And then, nope, you got to look <laughs> at it some more and like, work through it. Yeah, yeah. So, but, yeah. so when you came out of that experience mm -hmm. of high school, yeah. were you like, I'm throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I'm not into Catholicism, and I'm not into religion. I'm not into God, or like how? Did oh, it you took me a while. I mean, it took I know me a you while. to be a very spiritual person. Yeah. So I'm curious of the journey. I still remember the day when I, that I stopped going to church. You know, yeah. in the Catholic, I don't know how it is now, but you had to go to mass every Sunday, or else it was mortal sin, and that was a straight one-way ticket to hell. Yeah. So I I still remember. I think it was 18. And I was with cousins in Mexico, Mexico City. And the choice was go to a party with my cousins or go to church. Yeah. <laughs> and I chose the party. Mm -hmm. and, and you seem to have survived, yeah. luckily. Yeah, yeah. So far, no lightning strikes or anything? No, no. Uh -uh. But was that heavy. like a breakthrough moment, though? Oh, totally. Like, I'm, totally. Nothing happened. I'm still... Yeah, right, <laughs> right. I think I waited for something to happen for a while. Yeah, but. you know what I mean? <laughs> 
but like I remember when I, I first guilty, went back that, into yeah. like a, a Jewish temple mm-hmm. to perform poetry for like after being very disconnected from Judaism, and I was really like, I might get struck by lightning tonight. Like I really, uh-huh. I didn't really think it, but there it definitely wasn't off the table as a possibility and an outside chance that like yeah, I you mean, know, you know, when you're a little six, seven, eight, nine year old. Those things they tell you, they go deep and they embed yeah. themselves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell me more about that. It's really heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I was pretty lucky. I didn't get too much of the negative programming because I got kicked out of Sunday school so young. You did? Yeah. Oh, what yeah. did you do to deserve that? Nothing that bad. It was just me and this other girl, Hillary Drucker, who we love each <laughs> other now. But um, we didn't like each other. We got in a fight and I said, it's her or me. One of us has to go. And they're like, all right. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> Jewish school. And then my parents couldn't, they were like broke that year and they couldn't pay like the yearly fee. Mm-hmm. And they said like, okay, you can't come to the high holidays. And that was like the last shred of connection my yeah. parents felt to like anything that mm-hmm. would resemble organized religion with Judaism. Yeah. When they, they didn't have the money to pay that and mm-hmm. they gave them the boot, they were like, we're done. Yeah. We're done with all of this. Yeah. Yeah, which I get. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but, yeah, we find our ways back. Right. If it's where we go. So, yeah, so tell me about your your journey. So you're 18, you go, don't go to Mass, you live. This is like a life, like a, I have to recount my life. I want to... Uh-huh. Um, well, how, I just want to know, I know you to be a very spiritual person mm-hmm. who's in touch with Things that maybe science can't show us. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how you navigated your way to that understanding of reality. Uh, yeah, you know, that's a question I would have to even think a little more on. But I think that there's a certain amount of faith that I have in something, but it's not what I had faith in mm-hmm. when I was a child and growing up and all of that. But there's this like faith in... In nature, I get a lot of mm. a lot of guidance and support from nature. And when I had my children, you know, I I thought, how am I going to teach them spirituality? And you know, my my it's husband a was deal. a secular Jew. Yeah. He was raised an atheist. Yeah, you know, and, but very cultural Jew. Yeah. And so um, I went to Unitarian Church. I went to different services yep. looking for something you know a community because that's yeah. what that's what religion and church is a lot it's a community it's for you like to, one of the biggest yeah. gifts of it yeah right yeah so finally found this place called Sholem I don't know if you've ever heard of it tell the us about it Sholem community it's been around for it might be 50 plus years I think and it's a secular Jewish community that welcomes all and it's Sunday school and the kids go and they study the Bible and they learn all the traditions and holidays but from a purely secular viewpoint mm-hmm. and um so we sent them there yeah what an amazing gift and that they, you would give that to your children mm-hmm. to give them a connection to a tradition yeah to thank their culture so and like I mean, as a jew i thank you really yeah. because it's a beautiful so culture much, beautiful history thank you there's yeah. just so much um like i'm thinking about right now how linda sarsour is telling people to boycott wonder woman because Gal Gadot happens to be an accident of birth, really, born Israeli. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much hate towards mm. Jewish tradition. And it's so easy 
for a secular atheist Jew to marry someone and if that wasn't a part of their cultural context that just doesn't have to feel important to share with their kids. So, mm -hmm. like, just as a Jew, I thank you yeah. for well, giving that to your kids. Yeah, and it's almost like I wanted it more than my, <laughs> my yeah, husband Yeah, isn't did. it funny how that happens? Yeah, yeah well, women are <laughs> the carriers of, of culture Tell and tradition and all mean? that. Tell me more, what do you mean? Talk about that. I think that's, that's part of our... Uh, task is to pass those things on to our children and you know historically whatever years and years the men were out there you know getting our food and mm -hmm. what have you and we were at home teaching the children um, basic values and traditions and rituals and mm -hmm. all of that right so mm -hmm. I think in some form I think you know women do that they mm -hmm. still do that so tell me how your mother, as a carrier of culture, mm. what were some of the gifts that she gave you? Oh, well, I mean, she did do the religion thing, which wasn't so great, but she had good intentions, you know. And the um, carriers of the culture. Yeah, but more great. than that, yeah. I mean, she was Mexicana, you yeah. know, cien por ciento, hundred percent Mexicana. She came to this country, and and she. Um, gave us traditions in terms of music and values and food and uh, holidays and, you know, all that kind of thing. And, and, and it was interesting because this was the 50s, you know, mm -hmm. and so she was... It's crazy because you're 30, so I don't know how you Yeah, right, it. right, you're yes. so I beautiful know. and young-looking, it's really... <laughs> so it was like, the late 50s, but it was still late the 50s. 50s. <laughs> and so, you know, she was being mainstreamed and also mm -hmm. becoming very... Americanizada, mm. very you know, Americanized, right? And uh, but she, she really held moved on because she fell in love, right? That's like, right. She, she met she your fell, dad. Yeah. She was good there, but yeah. she fell in love. So right, and so she was she adventure. She was an adventurer for cool. a woman her age and her you know background and everything. Yeah. And um, what yeah, were some she, of the concrete things? Like, do you remember like a specific meal she used to make for you? Well, mariachi really, music is mariachi what I love. Mariachi music, you? yeah. And my father, who was part African American, uh. and and he was a Heinz Fifty Seven. But um, really, yeah. I want to hear more about that. <laughs> he uh, he gave me jazz and soul uh. music, and she gave me the mariachi and the you know more the Latino. M music, so I love Have music. Have you seen any of the yeah. all-female I'm also a closet jazz stuff. singer, right? But really? we won't go there. <laughs> oh, maybe we won't. <laughs> no, we won't. You're a jazz anyway, singer? Well, I like to sing jazz, but... Yeah. But so have I, you seen these? I really, it's important to me. Have you seen any of these all-female mariachi bands? Now? Yes. Yes, I was at a rosary. You know, someone I know uh -huh. passed away. Oh, and sorry. they had a... Um, uh, all-female mariachi band. It was amazing. I mean... Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Yeah. But your mom loved mariachi. Yeah, yeah. And she used to make us stay up till midnight on the September 16th, which is the Independence Day for Mexico, mm -hmm. and stand up and, you know, do the cheer, whatever they did, watch it on TV. So she made us do that. She loved Mexico. You know, she so loved beautiful. Mexico. But, but she was also grateful for all the opportunities, you know, that she had here. Yeah. 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 Tell us more about your dad. So African American, that's only fifty. Oh my six dad! Short. He's that's only what? He said he's a Heinz fifty-seven, right? Heinz fifty-seven. So that's yeah. one. Well, you know, he was born in nineteen nineteen here. Here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. His siblings were born in New Orleans. Okay. His parents, and I'm in the process of trying to do research uh, on my grandparents uh -huh. on his side. Uh, they were from the south uh -huh. somewhere, 
my grandfather, uh, he was a Pullman porter. And Whoa. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with those trains, folks. Right? Yeah. yeah, and they were the African American mm -hmm. men that you know took care of the white customers, mm -hmm. right? And um, and and my grandmother, they called her Pinky. I mean, you know, back then, Pinky. people could look very white but be black in their communities. Now too. Well, now mm -hmm. too, but yeah. So. I have to tell this one story, which is this is the only country you can be born one race and die another. Because oh, my father... Talk about this. Tell us. Yeah. My father in 1919, on his birth certificate, it says that he was colored because that's what they called him back then, right? Colored. Mm -hmm. And then when he died 71 years later, and he was in the morgue, and they looked at him, and they went, oh, he's Caucasian. So on his death certificate says he's Caucasian. Yeah. And he, he was like a citizen of the world, you know? He loved all of himself, but he was also practical. And sometimes, you know, he, he he was black, and sometimes he wasn't. You know, I mean, it was just a reality. Well, it's an interesting. You know, you touched on something very powerful that you carry too. Is that there's certain people that can move through the world in a way that it really has. They can be solid in their own identity, but because people mm -hmm. project what the context they're feeling in that moment. You yeah. can kind of move through the world and like just see things through different lenses all because of the context yeah. people are putting you in. Yeah, he was like a chameleon of sorts, you know, and he, um, I think that's why he was going to South America. He was kind of done with it all, you the know. The whole American yeah. shenanigan. Right, I mean, because, you know, it's like you say, other people defining who you are. I mean, and we still do that to mm -hmm. each so other. So this was big for him, like race and this kind of culture consciousness mm -hmm. was like big. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, mm -hmm. yeah. But, you know, he just kind of lived it. They didn't talk about it so much mm -hmm. like we talk about everything to death now, yeah. you know. So Pinky was his mom. Pinky was his mom. She and was white. Well, she, she had pink. some black in her too. So, and they lived in the black community and didn't try and... I mean, his father really couldn't anyway. But, you know, I mean, some people did. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's horrible, it's like a horrible. It's survival, though, at right. certain points. It's yeah. like really crazy horrible. world right. we live in. So it much is. historical trauma in this land. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so and identity is big. doing this work mm. at oh, Santa Monica no. College. It's really beautiful to carry on your family's legacy. Yeah. Way. And the Latino Center and the African American Collegiate Center are like, you know, mm -hmm. side by side, and we do a lot of projects and work together. And a lot of our students, they belong to both programs just because they want to. <laughs> it's really Sounds funny. Sounds good. I feel like yeah. if I was a student, and I so would want to do that too. I get to be in both my worlds, Truth. which is yeah, so beautiful. Yeah. What were Identity. some? Even though you say mm. you kind of talked about it, like tell us about the gift of jazz your dad mm. gave you, Ella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had all these records and he had Miles Davis and Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald and Dinah Washington so that's what I listened to when I was growing up and I love those those songs that music yeah, yeah. Dinah Washington especially lately I've been yeah yeah so dark you know like yeah. really goth almost some of yeah I yeah so well much. And, yeah and then Billie Holiday also mm -hmm. and you know Sarah Vaughan and other people yeah, yeah. Yeah, just recently, last semester, I took the History of Jazz class mm. at Santa Monica College, and it was fabulous. I learned so much. So nice. Yeah. 
so you can take classes mm -hmm. there. That's yeah. pretty great. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, we pay for them. <laughs> oh, really? You don't even get a discount? No. Not even no. a discount? Uh-uh, no, it's okay. They're we can afford affordable. it. They're yeah, yeah. They make them really good prices for mm -hmm. what you're getting. Yeah. So you were talking about, I was asking you how do you connect your spirituality, and you were mm -hmm. mentioning that going in nature is a way. Yeah. But yeah. if I'm somebody who's like, watching you and I'm feeling really disconnected from my spirituality and I'm feeling really disconnected from nature like I might hear that and be like what how like what do you actually do you go hug a tree you go sit <laughs> on the f no I like to hug trees yeah I seriously uh -huh. like to yeah have you tried it um I think I probably have in, it gets in a bad lifetime. rap because like the tree hugger term uh-huh but like there's a lot of ancient spiritual teachings that tell you to hug trees. Yeah, yeah. They're really good Or teachings. to meditate with the tree. It just, I like, do really will make you feel better. Yeah, okay. But, like, I'm what do you do like that. to do in nature? What helps you connect? You know, that's hard because I still struggle with the whole concept of spirituality. Because I can, I associate it with religion. Really? Yeah. Okay. But that's hard, you know, the whole spirituality. Um, because I do tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater, with the whole religion. So I'm not comfortable with God, you know. Um, what does that mean? The word, the whole shenanigans? The whole concept of this power out there, you know. That's like not a man my on spirituality. A cloud. Like a man on a cloud or even, you know. I guess I come from a place of, I don't know, you know. I don't know. And so I have faith in life. Really, I think my, my spirituality is grounded in the earth and in life and in human beings. Mm -hmm. and, um, and this is what I have to work with, right? So and when you're so, in nature, like, what do you... I find the, the cycles of nature. I think uh, if I could have found, a, like, a, a Native American church, you know, mm -hmm. I think I would have gone to that because I think they really draw so much from the cycles of nature and from, you You're know, the moon. You're talking about it like it's in past tense, but... Well, still, right, they you still do. You could do that. And, but yeah. I mean, for you, you're like, mm -hmm. I wish I could have found this. Oh, right, that's yeah. true. I could still. Yeah. Yeah, I could still. So you and feel I think drawn I do in a small way. Native, native yeah. indigenous cultures of this land. Yeah. So because of the connection to the cycles. Yeah, yeah. And the connections that they make, like, to just the physical physicality in in our world like like to the east sometimes if i if i'm doing a a special occasion with a friend and we or with my students um i'll do like a blessing and to the east the west the south the north and i look for a prayer out of you know the native american tradition so and where did you get that idea to do the blessing to the four directions i experienced it like i don't know on a retreat i have a friend who's very deep into healing and and has studied with shamans and mm. I have a couple of friends like mm -hmm. that. Really, okay. and uh, <laughs> and, um, and so I've experienced it with her. She opened me up to that. Yeah, and then in the last few years I've been meditating mm -hmm. a lot. And how's um, that for you? That's amazing. That's what, what meditation take Well, you it's do. just the basic, you know, breathing and being in the moment, you know, fully present and um, and then studying a little bit about Buddhism, but I don't mm -hmm. consider myself a Buddhist. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm looking, I guess I'm still looking for guidance because, you know, I had that guidance of Catholicism, right. but it was so destructive and oppressive. Yeah. But um, I think we all need guidance and support sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
So I just but try out different a, things. It's an interesting tension that you're acknowledging because it's like we want answers and yet we don't want this like imprisonment enforced upon us. Right. right? So. Right. And we don't want how you're delineating like religion from spirituality, for example, mm-hmm. saying we don't want um, some codification used as a means of control upon us or anyone because God yeah. said. Right. It's like this yeah. very kind of masculine yeah, model exactly. of like a parent scolding mm-hmm. you or whatever. You It's a punitive and yes, it has to be totally. this or that. Mm-hmm. But then like we have this longing for guidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, it should be, I think that way back then, it was a loving guidance, you know, it was a loving, but just got messed. way back when. Yeah, way back when, I don't know. Yeah, when Jesus was walking the earth, I don't know. Who knows, I mean, look what happened to him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, it isn't, it's just an interesting tension, and it's not bad. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's just beautiful to look at, and it's, I like how um, it's uncovering this kind of gender balance because mm-hmm. we're talking about like the matriarch passing down the culture and passing down the tradition yeah. and this idea of like a punitive father god yeah because religion is so patriarchal resonate. yeah for mm-hmm. you well not all of it but yeah. right for, for me Abrahamic uh-huh. traditions can be very patriarchal yeah. yeah 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 so what are some other ways how do you find bliss you meditate <laughs> You go in nature. Dancing. You like to dance. Dancing. Dancing is the oldest form of prayer, as Tell my me more. dance teacher says. Yeah. Tell me more. My dear dance teacher. Um, Olivia. I mean, I have more than one mm-hmm. dance teacher. It's okay. I'm glad you have a dear <laughs> dance teacher. Olivia. But she's the Thursday happy. night yeah. uh, you know, women's circle release and uh, fun and just wonderful. You know, yeah. she uses traditions from the Middle East, you know, contemporary, modern, African, Latino, all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff, you know, and dancing allows me to just to be in the moment and also okay. to express and to release and, and so all of that. So it's getting you in that flow state. And connect You're with other, in the present. other women. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, because so much of what I was brought up with was, you know, that fear, fear, and that fear of going to hell, that fear of you know sin, all these negative things that were just so awful, and I bought it all when I was a kid. Really? Oh yeah, I really bought it deep. Really? Uh huh. And your I, sister? Did she? Not so much. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you were second. Yeah, yeah. She's the. She was three the rebel, and you were the good girl. Yeah, she was more of a rebel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So but then at eighteen ish when the, you yeah, missed that's when you were like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's yeah, other maybe I yeah. can free myself from this. Yeah. But so, it's a constant, you know, I mean still I have moments of what am I doing? Really? Uh, I so never no. do. No. No, I have them like eighteen times a day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah. 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 I'm like, what am I doing? Uh-huh. It's good, though, to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. Not to beat yourself up about it, but check in. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm often like, what am I doing? Yeah. 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 It's like this world is uh, such a world of form and such a world of illusion that we all kind of buy into together, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just want to break out of it. And sometimes you go along with it because it's just, you can't be in 
constant fight and struggle all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting tension. Yeah. Well, and that's why I find the, the meditation and the Buddhism to be wonderful because it's all about compassion yes. for ourselves and for each other. Yeah. And, um, you know, if nothing else, that's what I can focus on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and how can I be of service in the moment, mm-hmm. too? That's important. Yeah, there's always all these ideas about how we should appear, how society wants us to be, and mm. what we tell ourselves we should be, and clearing up the, where those messages came from. Yeah, yeah. I know. Which is like, you know, it's kind of cool because we're on Out With Rachel. Yes, we yeah, are. Where we come out about something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it's always an opportunity to come out about something that maybe people don't know, which can often be things that make people uncomfortable or mm-hmm. ways that society wants to look at us. Or Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought about the, yeah. it's the secret sharing, mm-hmm. you know, and how sharing secrets makes us vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But, hey, you know. But being vulnerable is kind of amazing. We're all, yeah, yeah, we all are, and we can embrace that vulnerability. I think it's okay, yeah. So, you want to come out? Okay, so I can start with the fact that um, uh, 10 years ago, so this year I celebrated 10 year anniversary of um, what well, I was diagnosed for a second time with something called DCIS, which is ductal carcinoma in situ. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I don't know. Yeah, no, a lot of, yeah. a lot of people don't know. And it's for the a second time for the second time, this. yeah, for the second time, and uh, that's um, it's a zero zero stage level one cancer, or some people call it precancer, mm. in the breast, and um, ductal refers to the mammary ducts, right? So, so all the the cancer cells are contained in that area, as opposed to when they break out of there, that's when it becomes, it can become life-threatening, right? And so it's this... Kind of like a, like a ticking time bomb, like you're okay, yeah, yeah. and that's it. Right, exactly, exactly. And there's no way they can know, you know. I mean, there's so much that they don't know, meaning the Western medical world, right? And uh, so, so five years before that, I had been diagnosed with that, and they treated it with a lumpectomy and radiation, which, you know, they have these standard ways of how they treat things. Mm-hmm. And so I did that, and there was no, no need to take medication, so I didn't. So they just, you know, sent me on my way. And then the, the second time, I felt like, you know, the first time I felt like, I'm supposed to slow down here. This is mm-hmm. some kind of lesson to me. You know, my children were very young. And, you know, but I guess I didn't get the lesson because then 10 years later, or five years later, I got the same thing. And the only way they diagnose this now is through mammograms. And, you know, those are controversial too. Yes. Well, you know, I do know, but maybe our viewers don't. So talk about mm. that. Well, you know, I haven't done a ton of scientific research, but I do know what everybody knows is that when you get a mammogram, you're getting exposed to radiation, which can cause cancer, right? Mm. And so um, I actually stopped getting them every year. I'm not going to get breast cancer again. And um, there are other ways to 
diagnose it and you know check yourself out so I'm, I'm looking into those There's ways. There's a lot of information too about even that crushing the tissues that hard. Yeah. Even for the mammogram. Yeah yeah but at the same time you know I'm sure it saved a lot of Thank women's lives. God for the lives right. that saved. Yeah this is not an anti-mammogram no. out with Rachel. No. We're just talking about yeah. your journey right. and looking at it from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Like I had a c-section with my daughter. Mm -hmm. If western medicine hadn't developed that we both Neither of us would probably be yeah. here, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so that was, um, you know, kind of a shock again to have to deal so with. So you're it. thinking you're fine and you went for a mammogram. Right, and they five said, years later. Yeah. And, you know, that's like the magic number, they yeah. say, if you go beyond five years. So now I'm 10 years, right? So I'm, mm -hmm. um, and so, so whatever they call it, pre-cancer, zero stage, the bottom line was I had to do something, yeah. right? And so... Um, I had a second opinion. I went to Cedars. I went to, to UCLA, and they said the same thing: mastectomy, which a lot of women don't even know. I say that word, and they don't know what that is. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. So um, I say it's like off with her head, right? <laughs> Only it's the breast. Um, and <laughs> So, so they said that's the only way that we can guarantee, you know, whatever guarantees you can yeah. offer in life, that it wouldn't become life-threatening. Yeah. You know, they call it, now they call it, because I've been doing a little reading, they call mm -hmm. it breast-threatening, not life-threatening. So it is, you know, that's so... good, actually. I'm kind mm -hmm. of glad they changed that language that you, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that's what it was. And so they sent me away. They said, okay, so you got to think about what you want to do. Because it could hypothetically just sit there your whole life and nothing happen, yeah. or it could metastasize. And, right, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. It could it could move out of the mammary duct and into my system and lymph nodes and all that and become, you know, full-blown breast cancer. Yeah. So they couldn't do radiation anymore. They really couldn't do lumpectomy anymore. They just said, you got to get rid of it, right? And so I said, okay. And then they gave me time to think about what I wanted to do. So that journey was all about, um, you know, when you have a mastectomy, your choice is to, to get a reconstruction or not. That, you know, to, to reconstruct or not to reconstruct. Mm -hmm. That was the question. Mm -hmm. And so I did a lot of research and I got a lot of support from my husband at the time and friends and everybody. And I went to three plastic surgeons. I mean, this is a process that... Some people just, oh, yeah, of course you reconstruct, right? Yeah. But it's not as easy or as simple as, as you would think. And so, you know, they talk about they take fat from one area of your body and mm -hmm. then they connect in blood vessels. And, I mean, it's, it's major, major surgery with follow-up and, and all of that, right? So, so I was looking into all of that, and, and it wasn't until the third plastic surgeon who was this young UCLA doctor and I'll never forget him because his mother had had breast cancer and I guess he was a young man or boy and he said she had a drawer full of prosthesis you know because if you don't reconstruct then you have to have to you have you to. wear yeah, yeah right, right that's to. like a question there but yeah. one would you know you you can wear a prosthesis and nobody knows nobody would ever know mm. that you know and so he said, he was the only one that looked at me and said, you have to do what you're comfortable with. It's your decision, you know. And I'm forever grateful to him because he gave me permission to do what I felt in my heart 
was the right thing to do for me, and every woman has to make her her own choice, and that was to you know to not reconstruct. So that's my out. I'm a one-breasted woman. <laughs> Patty. And, <laughs> I'm so glad you came out about this. Uh, yeah. This it's is so brave and amazing. And you're so, so not alone, but the gift right, of permission mm -hmm. by just being yourself. I mean, think about what you're saying. What you're saying is that it wasn't until the third surgeon that it even was sounded like an option mm -hmm. to not have an artificial breast mm -hmm. put on your body. That that's just like a necessity, right? It, it's, it was a or, given, you know. Or, yeah, a given. They all that's make it sound so it. simple, and you know, and what have you. But you know, and there are many reasons to do it or not to do sure. it. Sure, it's like you said, it's everyone's mm -hmm. intimate, yeah. personal decision. Yeah, and like, there's no uh, whatever anyone wanted to do, great. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it didn't even look like an option on the table, mm -hmm. and I'm even struck by the fact that it wasn't like he was even like. You can just be a one-breasted woman and mm -hmm. move through the world as you are. Mm -hmm. His comfort was you can use prosthesis. But at yeah. least even from mm -hmm. that, it opened the possibility for you Yeah, that maybe I don't have to just get reconstructive surgery. I can do what I want to do or what's right for me. Right. Well, he, he made it my choice. Right. You know, and I... He empowered you. Yeah. And, and, um... I wanted to, to honor that, and I did, you know, that's what I did. But, and that wasn't easy be, either, because it's a loss, right? Yeah. You know, and I guess if being, um, having reconstruction, then it's, you don't feel the loss as much, but you still, I, you know, I don't know, because I, don't I, know, I, yeah. I, I, I would want to hear from women who have yeah, done that, because you're still losing your own natural breast. I mean, yeah. here, this was... You know, the part of my body that nourished my babies, you know. It's opened up a Pandora's box of, you know, women's health issues and and just psychologically and what did what, what would it mean to to not have, you know, two breasts, right? What what would that mean and and how would I feel about myself and how would others, you know, feel about me? And, and at the time I had a 13-year-old daughter and a 9-year-old son and and I was you know concerned about the message that I was going to give to her too if you whatever you decided whatever I decided, whatever you decided. right I, I wanted it to be a, a good well thought out decision that I could share with her and explain mm -hmm. to her mm -hmm. because she wanted to know you know um and um yeah so so that's what I decided to do, and I, 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 it's been difficult, but I've never regretted the decision. Yeah. You know, um, I'm a Libra, as you know, so yeah. it's kind of hard to be off balance. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. It's very, mm -hmm. we really like yeah. to be equal yeah. and even. And, and, um, and so it just made me think about who I really am not what I am or what my body is, you know, and, and w or what society is telling me what or I should even, do just about like my it would make body. Just someone uncomfortable to yes. see somebody yes. or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of it, I think, is just from that. 
Yeah. Like yeah. That, not even and just with this, but like a lot of things that plastic surgery is kind of just an assumed yeah. way to fix this. Fine, mm -hmm. great if it's right for the person, but it's like mm -hmm. not because the world can't hold the thought in their mind of somebody whose ears stick out or has one breast yeah. or got burned in a whatever it mm -hmm. is if someone wants to fix it fix it right right you know yeah and it's funny even just saying it like this Rachel I'm, there's a part of me that's saying thinking yeah so like what's the big deal you know it's like yeah and and ideally it's it's not a big deal but you know it it, it was a big deal and it was something an experience that taught me a lot about myself and what was important and who I am and you know I mean it's your sensuality your physicality your your uh, identity as a woman all of that is maybe overly associated with breasts right mm -hmm. and so does and that make me half a woman zero in LA like where appearance is even more than right else, probably oh, in the whole world yes by the way Angelina Jolie, mm. she had my surgeon. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She was an amazing surgeon. I mean, and... Probably I, yeah, the best of the best, because I'm yeah. sure she would get the best of the best. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and so she obviously made a different choice. But she had DCIS I as well. So what, she got um, implants? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. I don't she know. She just had the mastectomy, but I don't know. Oh, no. We I mean, don't she, work in film, so... Right. No, I mean, I, I couldn't see her making any other choice besides reconstructing, because... Really? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, sure, as, yeah. An actor, as an actor, her, her the body is... But ag all it, again, just like we're just talking yeah. about, all it takes is for one person to make a different choice and just be like... Oh, yeah. This Hollywood is society am. is not ready for that. I don't know. I think... I feel very optimistic... Mm -hmm. I feel like the world is either going to just, it's really going to tank mm -hmm. or we're going to have this breakthrough where there's a lot more acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I actually think we're seeing it in how people <clears throat> in the public eye are being allowed more gender fluidity right, and being right, more differently true. abled. Mm -hmm. I am seeing that kind of stuff actually yeah. reflected in the media. Mm -hmm. I don't actually think we're too far away. Yeah, well, maybe that's the 30 years difference between yeah. us. I, I don't know, because I don't want to be pessimistic But it's either. also... And you're right, and actually working with young people like I do, oh, they that gives it. me so, so much yeah. hope and so much awareness. Yeah. And they're, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they, just totally, yeah. any of this gender nonsense, they're so far past it. Yeah. Don't you find? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really exciting, yeah. actually. When you were in that time, mm -hmm. recovering, mm -hmm. how yeah. did you reconnect with feeling whole, feeling mm -hmm. connected to whatever source is to you? Yeah. Yeah, that's Getting back very in your body. Question. Yeah, I mean, I went through a mourning, you know, grieving period. Good. Definitely, you know. And... Um, did you do any, then, like... Like, um, actual ceremonial, like, ritual? Well, or before my mastectomy, my women friends uh, organized a, a, a ritual of sorts in the Temescal Canyon, you know, the, the beautiful Santa Monica Mountains. Mm -hmm. And they did all kinds of fun things, like, like, took pens and pencils, and we decorated each other's breasts, and, 
and uh, I think they had, you know, like those kind of those tattoos that you... Um, like the temporary tattoos. Yeah, the yeah. temporary tattoos. But, and so that really helped me. I mean, I got a lot of support from, from other women. Did, and they, did someone else suggest it or did you think of it? Oh, no, yeah, someone else suggested it. Incredible. They, yeah, yeah. And See, this is the thing because mm -hmm. with religion and spirituality and the things that are wrong, but ritual really helps us. Yeah, absolutely. So we need to somehow consciously reintroduce ritual yeah. because yeah. it's still a loss. We because we hide. Like, we hide things that are difficult. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was very easy for me to hide the fact because I always, pretty much always wear my prosthesis, right? And, and no one could ever tell. I mean, I'm limited to kinds of clothes that I can wear. Right? That's why I say like actors, female actors, they, I think they pretty much have to be able to, I don't know, have a yeah, body I that... I believe in a world yeah, where yeah, just okay. be accepted right. and sexy. Yeah, I feel, boob, yeah, absolutely. Arm, no yeah, arms, no boobs, I'm I don't beautiful care. in my, yeah. in, I say in my own way, because society, the message is just so deep about, so deep. you know, the, the body and everything. But like even when we, just like you were saying, like even when we think we're free of it, yeah. We yeah. find little yeah. things to unearth and be like, oh. So I was happy to be alive, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, yeah. the gift of life and, okay, this is a lesson, uh, you know, for whatever reason, my immune system or emotions, I got this thing again and I couldn't fight it off and it appeared. And so I think that's when I really also started paying more attention to things like, you know, yoga and meditation and going into nature and all that sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. But so I, I went through a grieving period. And then uh, after I healed, um, I went and got my first prosthesis mm -hmm. at Miss Stevens, which is still around. They're a wonderful store. And the women there, it, it was really wonderful because mm -hmm. that kind of normalizes things, right? I mean, I... Even now, when I go out sometimes without my prosthesis on, I'm self-conscious and because I don't want anybody, you know, yeah. stare. Look, but you just nobody, don't want to be chopped into parts. Right. You want to be, be taken as a whole yeah. human being, whether it's because you have two big boobs and someone's <laughs> looking at that or nothing, right? We want to be taken as a whole. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And so I had to, you know, recently um, I was out with my son, Pablo and he and and I I didn't have the prosthesis on anyway and I was self-conscious and I was saying oh do you think can you tell or whatever and he's like mom you should be proud to be a survivor and he was like it was like a you know cold water on my face and wow. and I'm like yeah my 18 year old son is teaching me to be proud of who I am you know to be comfortable with who I am which is supposed to be what I'm teaching him. Um, well, you must and, have, but because <laughs> he couldn't re reflect it back to you if you yeah. hadn't given him that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's just like anything, you know, any big change you have to adapt to, whether it's physical, you know, logistical, uh, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's, I see my students all the time, go, you know, when they leave SMC and they're going to transfer to the four-year school, huge transition, huge, mm. huge challenge. And um, I think that the lessons that we learn from any of these experiences can be applied to other experiences like them, right? And so I feel like um, 
this experience, this loss, this decision, this choice, really has helped me to accept life, ex uh, you know, deal with difficulty, and and see what's really important to me. And so it's a blessing. I mean, I have to see it as that, right? One breast, whole person. And if right. you could right now, as you right now, go back in time mm -hmm. and tell you the <laughs> first time you got diagnosed, like a message of comfort in that time, what would you tell that person? Mm. The first time I got diagnosed, yeah. um, message of you comfort. You with everything or wisdom or you, everything you know now looking back and where you were mm -hmm. then, you know? Well... One thing I think would be to, to take charge, mm. you know, take charge of your health and your decisions. And um, that's hard to do in this system, yeah. you know. And, uh, but, and so I was kind of afraid to do that. I didn't trust, trust yourself. That would, would be really the, the message, you know. Mm. Trust yourself. Trust your decisions. Mm -hmm. um, it's that's something that comes from from deep within and society and other people are always trying to influence us and impact our decisions but i i believe that you know we know we know really what's right for us and sometimes it's just a matter of courage really drawing upon that deep courage that we've received from, you know, great-great-great-grandmother to grandmother to all these generations of, of women, you know, and men, of mm -hmm. course, too. But um, this is such a female issue. Yeah. So and You say so much when you talk about this is the area of nourishment. Right. And giving. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so now if you could go back and talk to the you... Right after you had the surgery, right after you had the mm. mastectomy, coming out of it, healing, everything went good, the surgery was complete. You now, with everything you know now. What would I tell myself? Well, it's a funny thing because I was in the hospital for a couple of days and I had drains and what have you. And my dearest fr friend, Olivia, the dance teacher, wow. yeah. she was having a party. It was her birthday. And I showed up at the party. From the hospital. <laughs> With the drains and the <laughs> With the drains. And, you're and, you know, dancing. And, I, and that will always be uh, a lesson to me that, you know, I, don't let anything stop you from living life. And, um, you know, after the surgery, I think I just needed to hear, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And it'll be hard and tough moments and change of identity or whatever, you know, self, um, you know, how you see yourself, self-concept or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's freeing. It's liberating. That's, you know, partly why I wanted to do this mm -hmm. with you was because I thought it would help me even more because the journey's not over, right? Yeah. To feel even more liberated about um, this decision and other decisions that I've made in my life, too. Yeah. I trust to myself. Know that you're beautiful and mm. whole and complete and perfect. <laughs> and to just keep dancing. Yeah. When in doubt, yeah. go to the dance party.
Patty. Yes, honey. I want to thank you so much. Mm. When you are so brave and stand in your truth, yeah. you give yourself a gift. You give mm. me a gift. And you give mm. every single person who experiences mm. this a gift. To know, as you are their reflection, as we are all reflections of each other, mm -hmm. that we are all whole and just yeah. perfect and complete. Yes. It took, took me a while to feel that wholeness again, but... But I did, you know. Well, I'm really glad I got to meet the whole you, Patty. <laughs> Thank you for coming out with Rachel. And shine.